Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew and to chapter 10. We thought we were going to finish up chapter 10 uh, last week, but we'll have to finish up today. Amen. <laughs> when you uh, think about those who serve in the military, now long ago we had the, uh, we had the draft, and I really think that uh, the United States made a mistake when it... Uh, and it discontinued the draft. Because uh, in the military, uh, so many uh, young men, and, and nowadays both men and, and women, although the women have served in the military for many, many, many years and through uh, several of the wars, but many young people would learn just how fortunate they actually were to live in the United States of America to have been born or to become naturalized as citizens and to serve, to be an American citizen. And so when the nation moved away from, from the draft, you have so many young people today who take living in America for granted. And uh, they have developed this, you know, you owe me mentality which is sad, very, very sad, a very self-centered and very selfish attitude. But those who, who do join the military, they quickly learn, and uh, no doubt they think about the fact that they could possibly die. When you go into the service, you, you begin to think about both life and the possibility of death. And thousands upon thousands of men and women have given their lives in defense of our country. When a person makes a commitment to, to join the military, whatever branch, it is a total commitment. And as we read in this passage of scripture here, chapter 10 and 
verses 34 through 42. The Lord Jesus teaches that we must be willing to take up our cross. That is, we must be willing to sacrifice our lives and to give our own to him. And so let's, uh, let's begin reading at verse 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will teach us, speak to us, through your holy word and by your Holy Spirit, enable us to understand and then to apply your truths to our lives each and every day to the honor and to the glory of the Lord Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. And so following Jesus is a life of devotion, a life of total commitment. And only God can make a demand like Jesus makes here. Only God can make the demand that you love him above all others. Or else it would be a preposterous requirement, wouldn't it? And there are people who struggle with this particular passage because their, their understanding of God now let me qualify that. No one fully understands God. God is beyond finding out. Beyond finding out. But we know him, and you know if you know him. And he knows if you know him. Amen? <laughs> that saying, how does it go? <laughs> I know that he knows that I know that he knows me. Right? And I know him, and he knows me. Amen? So you know if you're a child of God, and God knows that you have that knowledge. But we don't know him in his totality, because that is an impossibility. As a matter of fact, I believe one of the things that we'll do in eternity is continue to discover and learn more and more and more about God for all of eternity. We're going to be so overwhelmed at his beauty 
and his glory. Amen. But only God can make this claim or demand that we love him above all others. And it is right for us to do so because he is our creator. And as Jim prayed in that prayer, God is our provider. Not only did he create us, but he provided and continues to provide for us. And in the biblical order of relationships, you know, this, you have this, uh, this dual, or dualism, if you will, that is in, in all of life. Consider the many examples of, of the opposites. Heat and cold, yes? Wet and dry. High, low. Negative, positive. North Pole, South Pole. Hmm. Adam and Eve. Christ and the church. Uh, male and female. Make no mistake about it, and we've said this many times and we'll continue saying it, God is not confused regarding gender. He is not confused. He created them male and female. And all of this nonsense that is going on is nothing less than wickedness and evil. Because the devil seeks to confuse, but God is not confused. The devil is the author of confusion. He is a liar, and he is a murderer, and has been so from the beginning. That is what Jesus was saying. One of the names given to the devil is Abaddon. It means destroyer. Destroyer. Destroying lives. Destroying families. He'll seek and seeks to destroy churches because his goal is to destroy God, which is an impossibility. And yet, many people's lives are destroyed. The Lord says to love, to respect God above everyone and everything. Amen. And then notice Jesus says he didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And that can be very confusing because he is the Prince of Peace. And the peace that the Bible speaks of, and we mentioned this last time, is, is to enter into a peaceful relationship with God. Because apart from that relationship, a person has a broken relationship or perhaps no relationship at all with God. But the cross of Christ makes it possible to have a, a relationship of peace with the Father. Oh, but coming to know Christ will cause division in a person's family, and in other relationships. I've mentioned before, if, you, you know, if you're at your place of work and a few people are around and you're talking, all you have to do is start talking about Jesus and all of a sudden people begin to filter away. <laughs> they just begin to filter away. division. And sadly, 
There are some people who will not receive Christ as their Savior. They won't, they won't accept him as their Lord and Savior because it may be offensive to their mother or to their father or to someone else in their family or in their, their circle of, of friends. Well, the Lord goes on. He talks about this cross. What does it mean to, to take up one's cross? And we said before that the Romans and other civilizations used the cross to both humiliate and intimidate and embarrass condemned criminals. They were required to carry the crossbeam to the place of execution. And there, once uh, arriving at the place of execution, it would be secured to that uh, upright member and they would be crucified. And the sad thing is that our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified on this cross, but in that period of time, they were crucified completely naked. After having been beaten and whipped and, and punched and his beard plucked out and you name it. But what is Jesus talking about here? See, because the disciples at this point, early on in the ministry, they knew nothing about him going to the cross. What was he describing for them here? And what is he saying to us? Because you'll recall in the earlier portion of this chapter and in the previous chapters, he's sending them out on a preaching mission. And not everyone who would hear that message would would receive it well, nor receive them well. As a matter of fact, some of them might be attacked. They might lose their lives. Life with Christ is a life of complete devotion, a life of sacrifice. We've mentioned that Peter, the apostle, was crucified for his faith. Crucified upside down. The tradition says he, he said he was not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord, but to be crucified upside down, the way that everyone else sees things, upside down. And the apostle Paul had his head cut off. The other disciples, the other the apostles were also martyred with the exception of the apostle John who lived to a, a ripe old age, but they tried killing him. And he was beaten and eventually banished to the Isle of Patmos. But the cross today, a loss of reputation. When you name Christ, when you witness for Christ, Oftentimes people think there's something wrong with you. <laughs> You're one of them born agains. <laughs> are you a are you a born again? Or they'll say, You one of those holy rollers? You ever heard that term? Right. Okay. You you one of those crazy people? You one of those people who actually believe that the Bible, that those things that happen in the Bible are true? You actually believe those stories? Why, they, they've proven that, that, uh, that those things didn't happen, haven't they? 
And hasn't that Bible been changed? Isn't that what they say? They still say that. No, it has not been changed. That is, the meaning. The meanings have not been changed. The word of God is eternal. And the Bible says of itself that his word is settled forever in heaven. God says of himself, I, the Lord, do not change. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life changes, yes. Everything else changes, but God does not change. And his word does not change. Worthiness. Suitability. Now, you'll recall that when the angels went to Sodom and Gomorrah and they met Lot, now, what was the reason for them going there? Judgment. Judgment. You cannot live your life, nor can you lead a community or a nation in complete disregard or opposition of God's standard of morality. You can pass all the laws you want. You can elect all the wicked leaders that you want. And they can pass every ordinance that they want. But they will also give an account for all of it. And God will hold the nation and its leaders and its people and its churches accountable for what they support. Make no mistake about it. All you have to do is read the first three chapters in the book of Revelation where the Lord judges the churches. He judges the churches for the very wickedness and sin that they are a part of. Yes, he acknowledges what they're doing well, but he also acknowledges what they've done or what they've allowed to occur. Suitability. You'll recall Peter. Peter said, oh, if all of these, right, if all of these, he's talking about the other, the other apostles, if all of these forsake you, I won't. I'll give my life for you. And what happened? Well, you can read of that right there in, in John. But God is so gracious, even though Peter denied his Lord. The Lord met him out there while they had gone back to their old way of life. You know, sadly, many Christians do that. They come to know the Lord as their Savior, and then what do they do? After a few months, that enthusiasm kind of wears off, and they get uh, discouraged. And why do they get discouraged? Well, because those old friends that they used to have, they're no longer their friends. And they want them to go out and party and all those kinds of things, but they know that they shouldn't be doing that, and they, they actually feel guilty 
But then they become discouraged because something happens in the church and they're not discipled. They become too involved in everyday life without Christ. And they then, the term is backslide. That is, they, they fall back into that old way of life. Peter said, I'm going back fishing. Now, there's nothing wrong with fishing. Matter of fact, it's very enjoyable, especially if you catch fish. <laughs> when Cheryl and I were dating, and we'd, we'd go fishing, and then we, we'd come back home, and her dad would say, well, I see you caught your limit. One. <laughs> yeah, you sure spent a long time to catch that one fish. <laughs> this idea of falling back to the old way of life. Peter said, I'm going to go fishing. And the other disciples followed. But notice the grace of God. Like God the Father coming into the garden, Adam, where are you? Now, God knew where Adam was all the time. He knew he was behind the bush, both he and, and Eve. But he gave him an opportunity to take responsibility for the decision that he made. And the Lord calls out to them and he says, Children, basically, have you had breakfast yet? Now imagine that. And they realize that it's the Lord. He tells them to throw their net into a certain location, which they do, and the net is filled up with, with fish. And they knew it was the Lord. And he cooks for them. He takes up the fish, and Jesus cooks for them. And he feeds them breakfast. And then he takes, he takes Peter. And what does he do with Peter? He restores him. You see, God and the church is, is to be in the business of restoration. Restoration. And that means, for some of you, that your cross is a willingness to be patient and loving and forgiving and tender-hearted towards others. When when yes, it's so much easier to complain or to wag your finger in their face and to tell them or remind them how terrible they are and, and, and beat them down. You notice Jesus didn't do that to Peter, did he? Does it ever feel good when you tell someone off? Now some... I've had some people say, yes, it does. <laughs> but that says something about you. You see, that, that, that really says something about where your, your heart is, what type of heart attitude you have. To set somebody straight, to tell them off, Mm. Jesus makes this point here finding the, the idea of finding and losing the life what's he talking about he's talking about this, this idea of grasping onto your own life 
when I was in seminary, had the wonderful opportunity of meeting all of these different people from so many different walks of life. Some who, who had planned to be engineers, medical doctors and lawyers and you name it, from all walks of life. But somewhere along the line, they, they came to know Jesus as their savior and they were called into the ministry. And then God used their expertise to send them to other parts of the world as missionaries. And thousands and thousands of these. The cross. They gave up their, their lives and certain careers that they could have had here in the U.S. to serve the Lord out in the mission field. Well, moving on. Acts of faith that are acknowledged and rewarded. The Lord says, whoever receives you receives me, that is, the Lord Jesus. And whoever receives the Lord Jesus receives the Father. But the opposite is also true. If you reject the message and you reject the messenger, you're actually rejecting Christ. And when you reject Christ, you reject the Father. And this is what the Bible teaches. You cannot have the Father without the Son. You must have the Son. And you can't know the Son apart from God the Holy Spirit. Because it is God the Holy Spirit who draws us to God the Son. And God the Son honors God the Father. God has revealed himself in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you can't have one without the other. Now there are some, some groups, they teach Jesus only. Well, yes, the Bible teaches there is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. But Jesus taught us that we're to go out and we're to proclaim what he, what he taught us and to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's at the end of this, cha of this, uh, of this book. Jesus is not the Father, but he is one with the Father. He is God the Son. And so when we proclaim the message, we're to be accurate in our proclamation of the message. And the message is this. God loves you and he sent his son to pay the price for our sin and he says if you receive the message the messenger you receive him the one who sent him now there are classifications of rewards and we don't have time to, to go into that but Jesus gives us a little breakdown here right? you receive the message you're going to receive life and if you treat as, as prophets well, those who, who proclaim the message, you'll be rewarded for that. And then he goes all the way down to the little ones. And the little ones that he's actually referring to in the Greek there, it really is referring to the common person. The common everyday person. Because that's what the disciples, most of them, were. They were just regular guys. 
you won't lose your reward. Or in other words, God is taking account of everything that we do with our lives. Now, the scripture teaches that some of us will be saved so as by fire. Or in other words, when we come before the judgment seat of the Lord and all of our works are evaluated, nothing that was done was done with the right spirit or with the right heart attitude. But, it says, you will be saved. <laughs> so rejoice in that, that you will, in fact, be saved. But some will be rewarded. Everyone's going to suffer loss because their only perfect one is the Lord Jesus. But the wonderful, the wonderful truth is, is if you know the Lord as your Savior, you will go to heaven. Amen. Well, I see that we're out of time again. But we're going to finish this. So the last, the last point there. <laughs> what do we learn from this passage? Acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior means total surrender to him, his word, and his will. Secondly, acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior will result in divisions within relationships. And you have to be willing to give those relationships up. C. Actions that demonstrate faith acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior will be rewarded. God is faithful. For everything that God's people do, God is aware of it completely. And he is going to reward. And you know what? God isn't stingy. He's not stingy. God is the most liberal of givers, if you will. And he gives from a bottomless well. Amen? Amen. And lastly, acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior is the pathway that leads to eternal victory. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Let's stand, please. Open my eyes that I may see. Glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that it shall unclasp and set me free. Come to the Lord Jesus. As we sing, the invitation is an invitation to you. Everyone that the Lord calls, he called publicly. <coughs> Step out, walk down that aisle as we sing. pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.